In this week's market update, the New Year market rally continues despite rising interest rates and attention shifts to whether earnings and valuations will support the market's bounce back. Investors are catching their breath after a week chock full of potentially market moving announcements. Interest rates, tech earnings and jobs data pointed in various different directions and the up and down market response reflects the difficulty in teasing out a coherent narrative. First, the good news. The FTSE 100 hit a new all-time high, five years on from the previous peak. To be honest, it's only a lukewarm celebration because at the new high, the UK benchmark is still only around 15% higher than it was as long ago as 1999 when the market peaked at the height of the dot-com bubble. The UK market has had a decent year thanks to its exposure to the best performing sectors in the past 12 months, principally oil and gas. But longer term, it's been a disappointment thanks to its lack of exposure to the big growth story of the post-financial crisis world, technology. Despite rising to a new high, the UK remains relatively cheap in global terms on a forward price earnings multiple that's barely into double digits and it offers a higher dividend yield than its peers too. So, a new peak does not necessarily mean that the FTSE 100 is due a reversal. It remains one of the more interesting markets to contrarian, value-focused investors. Elsewhere, the New Year rally in markets continued into February as investors adopted a glass-half-full view of last week's interest rate hikes. The Fed raised interest rates by a further 0.25%, a slower rate of increase than the three-quarter and half-point hikes that took US interest rates from 0 to 4.5% in less than a year. On this side of the Atlantic, rates in the UK and in the Eurozone both rose by half a percentage point as our central banks played catch-up with the Fed. But investors have already started to look through the current rate-hiking cycle to an expected peak in rates this summer and a hoped-for retreat from monetary tightening either in the second half of the year or in 2024. Whether that trajectory materialises is key to whether the markets have moved too far too fast since last October's low. Central banks continue to make the case for higher for longer rates, so the market's insistence that the peak is near looks increasingly at odds with policymakers' intentions. It also looks at odds with the evidence from the labour market, which in the US in particular looks to be red hot. Jobs data on Friday showed more than half a million jobs were created in January, way above the 185,000 that had been expected by economists. The unemployment rate at 3.4% is at a 50-year low. The strength of the US labour market suggests that the Fed will not be in any hurry to lower interest rates. While it's slowing the pace of increase, it's likely to adopt a wait-and-see approach for the rest of the year to see whether its cumulative hikes to date are having the desired impact on the economy. The picture is complicated by the fact that other parts of the economy are nothing like as buoyant as the jobs market. Retail sales, for example, are sluggish and the housing market is in retreat. Over here, it's a similar story. Strong jobs market, worryingly fragile housing market. The markets are confused too. The stock market fell back on Friday in the US, but it still ended up higher on the week. The S&P 500 fell by 1% on Friday, but was up by 1.6% on the week. The Nasdaq was up 3.3% on the week, 
despite slipping 1.6% on Friday. Meanwhile, bonds, which had risen strongly on hopes for an end to the tightening cycle, went into reverse. The yield on bonds jumped on Friday's strong jobs data, pushing prices lower. So, looking forward, the key question is whether this is as good as it gets. Is the rally since October just the latest in a run of failed breakouts during a bear market that began just over a year ago and which has been punctuated by strong but ultimately doomed rallies? The answer to that question is not straightforward because history shows that the relationship between economic cycles, the ups and downs of corporate earnings and the direction of the stock market is extremely variable. In the long run, markets track the direction of earnings. But in the shorter term, the situation is much less predictable. The usual cycle looks like this. First, the market and earnings are both rising. Then the market predicts a fall in earnings and declines while earnings are still on the up. There's a period when both the market and earnings are declining. And finally, investors look through the gloom and the market turns up even though earnings are still falling. But that basic framework is each and every time subtly different. The time lag between the movements in the market and earnings is sometimes short and sometimes much longer. When there's a big shock like the financial crisis, the market doesn't really have time to preempt the difficult times ahead, so you end up going straight into the double whammy of falling valuations and falling earnings at the same time. In 2008-2009, that led to a more than 50% decline in only a year or so. But if you go back to the early 1970s, you get a very different picture. Valuations fell while earnings still looked strong, but the central banks were tightening policy and that spooked investors. However, the arrival of recession coincided with the end of monetary tightening and the market took off in anticipation of recovery. In some ways, that looks much more like what's happening today. And it's why some investors think that the October low might be the actual low for this cycle. Sometimes you just get a very mild slowdown and the market never really stops rising. That was the case in the early 1990s. The pandemic was another example of a shock which quickly resolved itself, allowing the market to get back on an upward trajectory even while earnings briefly fell. So, what about this year? Well, with earnings season about halfway through, roughly 70% of companies are beating expectations. That sounds good, but the reality is that forecasts are coming down quite quickly. Estimates for 2023 as a whole are now in negative territory, having been flat for a while. Given that estimates tend to come down during the year in question, that suggests that we still have an earnings recession ahead of us. If we don't get through that phase until 2024, it does rather suggest that October 2022 would be too early for the bottom of the market cycle. And that in turn argues that we're likely to revisit the bear market low point once or twice this year. It feels like investors shouldn't be chasing the current rally for fear of missing out on the next bull market. There should be more opportunities to catch the bottom which means that for most investors, the best approach is to keep dripping money into the market to benefit from the inevitable retreats in the year ahead. As for the week ahead, it looks like being a quieter one than last week. The highlight on this side of the Atlantic will be Friday's flash first quarter GDP estimate. 
The big question is whether the UK managed to avoid a technical recession in the second half of 2022. A recession, remember, is two consecutive quarters of economic slowdown. Well, it could go either way, with output expected to have broadly stagnated in the final three months of the year after the decline in the third quarter to September. It may actually be pretty academic because if the IMF is to be believed, the UK will be the weak link among the G7 economies this year. If the recession didn't start at the end of last year, it surely will this year. The good news, though, is that the decline in wholesale gas prices, the expected fall in inflation and the knock-on impact on interest and mortgage rates should mean that the recession is shallower than we expected only a few months ago. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.